This is Coast to Coast. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Corey Johnson. We're here every day bringing the latest news in the world of business and finance. And the most interesting stories in global technology from Silicon Valley and beyond, powered by our more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Coast to Coast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 o'clock Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. Whistle while you wake. Yes, indeed, everybody. Hiring picking up in the month of January. Wages also rising at the fastest annual pace since the recession ended. Although, as our Michael McKee mentioned earlier, one month does not make a trend, so we need to keep an eye. But nonetheless, an upbeat report. Uh, the economy's steady move toward full employment extending into 2018. Chris Liu is back with us, senior fellow at the University of Virginia Miller Center, former Deputy Secretary of Labor under President Obama. He joins us once again on the phone from Virginia. Chris, great to have you back uh, with Corey and myself. Um, Take a look at this report uh, and make some sense of it for us. Is this, are we at full employment, almost there? You know, I don't know. Uh, But this was a very positive report. You know, after um, eight years of a recovery, anytime you have a monthly jobs number that starts with a two, you should be very happy about it. And I think as Others have talked about the wage gains are important, uh, and maybe we're finally starting to see that pickup that we've long suspected. But as you rightly pointed out, one month doesn't make a trend. The other important data point I would, I would mention is that in January, 18 states raised their minimum wage as well as 20 cities. So about 4.5 million people got wage increases because of higher minimum wages. So I, I'm going to want to see a couple more months to see if this – uh, wage pickup is uh, more consistent because we've had these blips in previous uh, years. But overall, this is a, was a very positive jobs report. You know, Chris, even as we're talking right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is now down 503 points. It's 1.9 percent. <laughs> the S&P down 1.6 percent on the day. And we are keeping on the markets. I want our listeners to know we're not going to let it escape us. Uh, but I, I wonder, from your standpoint, you know, we finally see a little tick up in wages, which should be really good news for every business in the country. And the market takes a complete uh, header. Um, can I <laughs> you know, it is funny when, when good economic news <laughs> leads to drops in the market. Um, look, I mean, I, obviously it's based on a concern about increasing uh, inflation and, and, and more interest rates down the pike. Uh, I think it's – look, I'm not a market analyst, but it's probably fair to say that the rise we've seen over the last year probably was a, a bit uh, stretched – uh, given what the economic numbers were. So this might be uh, sort of a legitimate pullback. But, you know, the underlying fundamentals of where the economy are right now are strong. Okay. So if like the pre- if you were back in the White House and the president came to you and he said, hey, we had a good jobs report, but what's going on with the market? Um, you would say? Well, I would have said uh, <laughs> I, there's a reason why Barack Obama never tweeted about the stock market. Uh, the stock market goes up and the stock market goes down. Mm. And it's, it's a very imprecise measure of how the economy is. And, and it's better to look at the, uh, the, the numbers here. And, uh, you know, one of the sort of interesting things in these numbers was the tick up in African-American uh, unemployment rate. Um, mm-hmm. And it did tick down. It, 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 President Trump was touting this number for the last month. But those of us that spend time looking at these numbers know that 
the, the, the number of people, the number of establishments you're serving is, is relatively small. And then when you start slicing and dicing by demographic groups, uh, you see these pretty significant jumps from month to month. And that's why it's better to look at the long-term trend. And, you know, overall, look, the market is up. The economy is doing well. But um, there's a reason why you sort of stick with the fundamentals uh, instead of getting too well, hung up on day-to-day or week-to-week. To that, talk to me about the trend in African-American employment in the U.S. right now. Well, it has consistently gone down over the last eight years, the way that the overall unemployment rate has. Um, you know, it was, I think, around 18 or 19 percent at the height of the recession. It's at 7.7 percent now, which is great. Um, it's up from 6.8 percent last month. But as I said, this is a very uh, unstable uh, series of numbers. But what is the significant part is that the unemployment rate for whites is 3.5 percent. So while Mm. 7.7% is very good. There's still a significant disparity, and there's broader societal reasons uh, that really need to be addressed. There's some fascinating um, discussion this morning on Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. I was listening to Tom Keene and Jonathan Farrow, and they had on uh, Nouriel Rabini, and they also talked with Alan Kruger of Princeton. And, you know, talking about how you can have full employment, be at full employment, but you can still have inequalities within an economy, which is kind of where we are. Oh, it's absolutely where we are. I mean, you know, and, and I think to the full employment uh, question, it's important to look at labor force participation. I think we're still at around 62% of the people, 62.7% of the people of working age in the workforce. So there's a significant number of people sitting on the sidelines. But even those people who have entered the, the workforce, um, the wage gains that we've seen haven't been evenly distributed. Uh, there tend to be more towards uh, higher wage jobs. And certainly when you look at stock market gains, uh, only 50% of Americans hold either individual stocks uh, or in a mutual fund or 401k. So the gains out of the stock market aren't hitting um, most uh, Americans evenly as well. And so you can see, when you aggregate the numbers, they look good. But when you start slicing and dicing, they tell a different story. Uh, indeed. And, and, you know, at what point uh, should President Trump be actually taking credit for this? I mean, is, is, is this still, you know, we're a year into the presidency. Um, is, is now, are these his numbers now? When are they his numbers? Well, look, I mean, I think it is. It's, and I it's want to give you all the credit dynamic. I can. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. It's <laughs> an interesting dynamic. You know, the old, the old saying was it's the economy stupid. And I think what we're starting to see is actually it's not the economy. It's hard to imagine uh, economic numbers like this and uh, compared to what President Trump's poll numbers are. And I think you're really starting to see a disassociation between what the president is saying and doing and how people right. feel about um, the economy. And it's, it's sort of a different thing right now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether the numbers start to come together over the next year. All right. We're going to leave it on that note. Chris, thank you so much. Chris Liu is senior fellow at the University of Virginia Miller Center, former deputy secretary of labor under President Obama. There was a lot of love for the iPhone X in the last quarter, and yet going forward, not so much. Alistair Barr joins us right now, Bloomberg News tech reporter and editor, as well as Bob O'Donnell, who is a president of Technalysis Research, with a look at what uh, what we learned about Apple's iPhone business in the quarterly numbers yesterday and the subsequent earnings call. Alistair, uh, what, what was the news? iPhone X didn't do as well as expected. There's a term called the super cycle 
which happens when they release a big new phone and a lot of people are supposed to upgrade, a lot of new customers are supposed to happen and everything's supposed to be rosy. And that was um, pronounced dead this morning by some analysts. Is it just, I don't know, maybe the next one will be a big deal? Like, what's going on here? I like to uh, fall back on my very scientific study of my wife's habits in situations like this. Uh, she bought the first iPhone. She's studying your habits too, you know. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah, she was she was big into the first iPhone. Bought all all the new ones, especially the the, the bigger one when the iPhone six came out. She does she doesn't care that a poop emoji speaks. You know what? She sounds like me because I too bought the six. I like the big one, the ten. I like the emojis. I've got to say, and I play with them on my husband's phone. But it wasn't enough for me to say I got to get rid of this phone. Bob O'Donnell, come on in on this. You follow the tech sector too, Apple very closely. Um, should we be concerned? As a guest last night, Mr. Gall- Galloway, Scott Galloway, said, you know, we are seeing a like seismic shift going from Apple being the one everybody's talking about to Amazon. Well, it's a great point, Carol. And look, uh, the notion of the super cycle, I think, is frankly proving to be outdated. The super cycle happened once. It happened when we went to big iPhones, and that's it. And there's been this expectation that it would happen again and again, and it's just not happening because people wanted to make the move to the big phone. But once you're at the big phone, you don't care as much. We've seen lifetimes extend from two-ish years to three-ish years. And when you're in a market that's essentially built completely on refresh, and we saw this in the PC market several years ago, same thing happened, right? When lifetimes extend, markets are saturated, they start to to peak and then to, to decline. And I think that's the monumental shift is that we've ended the era of big smartphone growth, and the impact of that is huge. And yes, we start to think about other companies, other devices, other categories, because now smartphones are like, yeah, it's kind of old news. And I think that's part of the fundamental shift that he was probably referring to. Yeah, and and it's interesting, too, because, but not just this phone, pretty much any new phone has had more than one quarter, Bob, where it has, where it has sold big, and this looks like it might have just one. Yeah, well, and and that's exactly right. And and so in this particular case, Corey, the other issue is, you know, there's been questions from the beginning. You have a thousand dollar phone. It's easy to say, oh, well, it's only a few dollars more a month, and etc. Look, it's still a thousand dollars for a phone. Mm-hmm. And you knew there was a group of people who were going to pay for it, even if it was two thousand dollars. But we bought, went through all those people in the first quarter. Now regular people who are like, okay, I have to make this decision, and I'm not sure I'm willing to spend that $1,000. And I think that's the secondary concern, particularly around iPhone 10, is, you know, what happens? So, Alistair, so what's the conversations that you imagine are now going on inside Apple following this quarterly release and following the market reaction and the discussions that are happening right now where people are saying, God, you know, I mean, Apple still sells a lot of stuff, but everybody's wondering, maybe they're, you know, maybe they don't have anything else that's going to be, you know, driving revenues down the road substantially. I think there's probably two things being discussed. One is we better come up with our next big hit and and there are plans in the works for, for that to happen. Um, you, you're thinking about augmented reality, um, an actual wearable glasses headset that actually people might use. Um, that, that, has some, that has some great promise. But also, um, Tim Cook didn't sound that, that distressed um, yesterday after the results came out. And I think a lot of the, what's happening is Apple's shifting to um, taking, they have 1.3 billion devices out there right now. 
they're trying to make money from those and there's lots of ways to make money from those even if they don't sell a lot of new devices going forward um, so, so that is going to provide a lot of profit going forward uh, and and yet uh, numbers down a year over year basis but the but the value of this phone the price of this phone I should say uh, Bob O'Donnell helped them uh, put up a big print in terms of the the revenue for this phone and maybe they they can sell less and, and make more if this phone if they can hold the price here yeah the uh, I, I think the, you're right Corey oh sorry go ahead Alistair. I was going to just mention that um, you know in in a smartphone market that's falling slightly now you have you basically have two choices right you you have a really expensive product. And you hope your revenue goes up, or you or you go, you know, for mass volume like Xiaomi and, and, and price it low. And Bob, come on in on that question that Corey asked. Yeah, no, I, I think the issue is, is right, and the issue is I think we've we've peaked out on these high end phones. And again, this is not just an Apple problem. This is an industry wide problem. Phones on the high end because I think we have hit that peak, and that does change things. And look, they're very smart people at Apple. They knew at some point the smartphone. Uh, you know, growth was going to end. And that's why they've been building out the services business. That's why they talked about the one point users. You know, and, that, and it's true that there are definitely ways they're going to try and make money off that through services. Eventually, yes, I think they'll try and have some, another hit product. The issue is I don't think they have one near term. I think it's going to be a few years before they have a big one. So I think the one challenge Apple faces is they knew this was going to happen. This is just happening a little sooner than they expected. So can they turn the crank quickly enough? But look, they're still printing money, guys. They're, they're making huge amounts of money. And let's not forget, they have that huge cash pile that in one fell swoop, they could dramatically change things by, you know, buying a Netflix or a Tesla. But they're not going to do that, Bob. The they, this company, I mean, they just don't do I, deals like that. I No, I, and I get it, Corey, and you're right. But my point is, that potential is always there. And they've never had to even think about it before because they've had this gravy train of smartphone growth and, and value. And there's for a while, let's be clear, right? This doesn't fall off a cliff. If anything, that we see a modest decline. But it, it does start to drive different conversation within the halls of Apple, I would presume, around how they adjust and move this services strategy forward a little bit more quickly. And Alistair, if I'm an investor in Apple, I mean, this is an $821 billion market cap company, and I understand revenues are like $264 billion uh, projected for this year, but when it's a company where the iPhone is the bulk of it, you know, do I want, am I willing to really pay up for that market cap at this point when I'm a little worried that the main product may be running into a little bit of trouble? Just got about 30 seconds. Yeah, I was looking before I came on at the at the chart and the especially the market cap, and I I think they've lost about eighty or ninety billion dollars in market cap mm-hmm. in the last sort of two or three weeks, and I imagine that that right there is probably the the iPhone ten super cycle coming off, so I imagine it probably has adjusted for just the iPhone ten disappointment right now. I'm um, going forward. Um, there's a huge you know cash return chance, which is keeping investors yeah. in for a while. Beyond that, not so sure. Speaking of super, Alistair Barr, thank you very much. You're super. So are you, Bob O'Donnell. Bob O'Donnell from Technalysis. Alistair Barr is a Bloomberg technology editor. Listen to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. This makes me sad, Dave. Dave Wilson with his chart of the day. Why does it make you sad, Corey? Wow. Is it Paul McCartney? Really? Indeed it is. Paul McCartney and Wings. That's Wings? Paul McCartney and Wings. 
Yeah. Mm, okay. Sure. There you go. First band. Chart of the day. What do you got? It's all about time to hide. I mean, look at what's going on in the stock market and the bond market today. You probably wish you could find a place to hide. And here's an argument that the folks at Pavilion Global Markets laid out. They're looking at the relationship between bond and stock markets, particularly value stocks. You know, shares of those companies relatively cheap when you look at earnings or sales or asset values. Now, they've really taken a beating over the years relative to growth stocks. You know, think about the Internet companies, the ones with relatively fast growth rates. You know, back in November, a ratio between the S&P 500's value and growth indexes set a 17-year low, and it came close to going even lower uh, last month. And the latest move uh, presents a bit of a contrast because what they did at Pavilion was compare this ratio to uh, a volatility gauge uh, developed by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. It's similar to the VIX, but it focuses on Treasury options rather than S&P 500 options. It's called the MOVE or the Merrill Option Volatility Estimate. And what we've seen there is that you know in the last two weeks of January, the MOVE was rising at the time the ratio between value and growth was falling. So you had a real contrast. And looking back over the last three years or so, they tended to move in tandem. So the way the folks at Pavilion figure it, uh, this is going to resolve itself by value stocks gaining some uh, mm -hmm. renewed strength. I mean, they're looking at volatility. They're also looking at treasury yields, saying rising yields will be pricing a better growth outlook for the U.S., uh, which improves the prospects for value stocks. Let's face it, if the economy is growing across the board and growth you can find anywhere, you'd rather buy it cheaply and value stocks give you that. If you want to know more, folks, Send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it, and everything I do going forward. The email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. Yeah, interesting take at looking at uh, the volatility we're seeing in U.S. Treasuries. Dave Wilson, thank you so much, our Bloomberg Stocks editor. All right, big week for the markets, big week for big tech earnings. We're talking about results from Apple, Amazon. We got those last night after the close. Investors, of course, reacting to it all today. Amazon Relling, Apple, not so much. Let's uh, get a, a roundup of what analysts are saying about it all. Taylor Riggs is markets reporter at Bloomberg News in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York. So everybody's weighing in, correct? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Amazon especially. Do we want to start there? They're still up yeah, over 2.5%, yes, yes, even oh. despite this massive sell-off. It's pretty incredible. So with Amazon, you guys know the story has always been a question of margins, and they've been looking for growth and putting that first and then worrying about margins later. And the thesis from the Amazon analysts in the sell side reports continues to be that, that, you know, it'll still be a growth story. We'll still worry about margins later. So Piper Jaffray, for example, uh, raised their price target, $1,650 from $1,400, looking um, uh, sort of an investment story this year in, in their media, uh, Amazon Web Services, which is their cloud story. Uh, still sort of favoring that. You know, Morgan Stanley had an interesting report out uh, because while they're still uh, looking at the high margin business, they're actually seeing peak margins in retail. Now, as you guys know, retail is a lower margin business. Right. So the fact that they're still able to get no, I would, I would peak agree with margins I, there. I think that's one of the things I noticed about the report is that they really did take a little bit of margin 
yeah. on, on the retail sales. And this is stuff where they just usually don't look for a profit. In fact, and even they've often run this stuff at a little bit of a loss. They, they would run this at a loss, yep. take a profit from Amazon Web Services, sell stuff for less than it costs, just a little bit, yep. right. and keep the volumes up and keep building factories with the, with the cash flow generated from, from running that business at, at break even. Yeah, it was pretty and incredible. Keep us all- from continuing to go to Amazon well, and for just everything get and market everything. share yeah, yeah, first, yeah. right? And so, yeah, Morgan Stanley had a really good report that the retail business, even after the acquisition of Whole Foods, they're starting to boost that up a little bit. But oh, okay. still overall a growth story here for the rest of the year. Should we talk Apple? Yeah, let's talk about Apple. So I know you guys have talked a little bit about the iPhone cycle. We should know Apple off 4% today. Uh, Gene Munster over at Loop Ventures had a report out and saying, uh, you know, don't worry about the slowdown in sales because the revenue per device is climbing. So every time you Big sell time. that 10 and you get $1,000, that's actually uh, a boost to their company. And then Michael Walkley, he's over at Canaccord Genuity. He was saying, look for strong earnings per share growth, that that's going to continue. And then he has- That's because they have money where they can do buybacks and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, look, they do have $50 billion in free cash flow. But then also Mac sales. So getting away from the iPhone, in China, 90% of Mac sales laptop were for first-time buyers. So they're also growing over there. Yeah, I mean, um, to to that, sort of those numbers for Amazon, on. I mean, or so for for Apple, the 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 value per phone just jumped. Uh, mm-hmm. This you know ASP per phone, I think, was up uh, close to seven hundred this quarter, yeah. or uh, high seven, almost eight hundred. Um, it, it's a good, fair point. If you yeah. Sell some for more. You don't have to sell more of them. So even though they thought it was a little bit of a miss, hey, the higher price makes up for it. Yeah, exactly. Shares of Apple, by the way, down four percent. Shares of Amazon are up three point five percent. Taylor Riggs, market reporter at Bloomberg News. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm driving in my car. I turn on the radio. How about you let me drive? Oh, no, 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 no. Who's gonna drive you home? Honey, please, I'll do the driving. Drive on. Excuse me, I wanna drive. Just drive, baby. It's the question that drives us. This is the drive to the close. That funky music will drive us till the dawn. On Bloomberg Radio. Yes, indeed it is Bloomberg Radio. Corey Johnson and Carol Mass are here in our 11th studios in Midtown Manhattan watching the market uh, melt a lot today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average now down 638 points, uh, 2.4%, 2% on the S&P 500. And uh, watching it all, of course, is Jeff Carbone. He's a managing partner of Cornerstone Financial Partners and managing a billion two out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, a lot of red on your screen, I would imagine, Jeff. There's a little bit out there, but uh, it is not uh, not very easily found. A little bit. No, it's like a lot of red. A lot of red. Yeah. Oh, the green. There's a lot of that out there. The green. I don't see the. I, I see the green because I keep most up. There's a, you got the Amazon is a. We still got LP. We got a few out there that are still showing some positive. And, yeah. Uh, um, so what do you make of this? What, what do you make of the sell-off? What do you think it means? Yeah, you know, the first thing I said, I'm going to. T- I would say for for you, Corey, Carol, and all the uh, listeners to take a breath, just breathe. You know, these are these are normal. That's cycles. not really good radio. I can't. I don't think the people driving right now want to hear me. <laughs> well, maybe do I have to breathe? <laughs> there we go. There you go. At least I'm breathing uh, the mic. Yeah. Know, it's it's it, you know we have uh, it's been you know so I'm going to give you a couple numbers. It's been 3,253 days since we started this bull market and when it came out of the credit crisis. It's also been just about over two years since we've seen a real 
you know, pullback of about 5% or more. And we're seeing it all today and, um, and more so this week. So, you know, these are normal cycles that we go through. So we just have to realize that and we, we, we get uh, uh, accustomed to the upward market. And every, you know, last year and most of this year, almost every day was a new all-time high. Well, you have to peel back that onion and start to say, okay, there's a lot of good out there. Earnings are good. Economic data you know, is good. And uh, the tax reform is, is positive for the market. Um, you have a still accommodative Fed that's tightening, yes, but at what rate? We'll kind of watch them. But there's still a lot of good economic factors. However, we were looking for a catalyst to maybe give us a little bit of pullback. And right now we're seeing it with the uh, prospects of rising interest rates and inflation creeping its head. So, okay, what if I'm one of your high net worth individuals, clients, and I call and I say, you know what, you're right, I haven't seen this in a long time, but I feel like the market's starting to come done. We've certainly seen, come undone. We've certainly seen a lot more volatility. Just take a look at what's happening with rates creeping up uh, and so on. And I, I don't know, I don't get this. You know, here on a day when we got, you know, fairly upbeat uh, labor news, um, you know, is it time to say, okay, I've had a nice run on the equity side of my portfolio. It's time to maybe put some money back in cash. You know, I think it, there's a couple things there. So you, when you look at all that's going on, uh, where we are, you know, maybe some of it's going back to economics and you know, 101 and business 101. You know, you look at what's where are we in this market cycle. Uh, you know, is the economy still growing? Is inflation still at low levels? Is the employment number still good? And because you mentioned earlier, we had some really good employment—you know, 200,000 job numbers. Uh, wage growth is improving. Went up. You know, was revised for December up, uh, for November, 0.4, came out at 0.3 for January. So those the good news became bad news for the market because again, this is this is all factors to help say should the Fed step in sooner. And take away the three anticipation, you know, the anticipation of three rate hikes. Do we need more, four or five? So, for my clients, what I've continued to say, let's we continue to look at where we are in the cycle. Are there positions and are there companies that are overvalued? Absolutely. And what we've already done, and for a lot of our clients, is really kind of rebalance the portfolio to not where we are, to but for where we think we're going. And we know we so there's no crystal it with ball. What? In, into what? Well, so so great example. So let's so large. What are some of the most overvalued positions out there? Um, you know, positions in technology, large growth, uh, are certainly some of the areas that have seen some of the greatest and the most growth in this market. So they're starting to show uh, overvaluations. So you, but you can. So you doesn't mean you get out of technology totally because you could see, still see uh, you know Amazon and. Uh, Apple, you know, um, they have had some, you know, Amazon did well. Apple, you know, not so bad, but a little bit low on their iPhones. And then uh, Alphabet certainly may be disappointed. So that you get maybe be selective in those areas, but maybe move towards, and I know where I've moved my clients, is looking at moving from large down to more medium and smaller size companies. Why? Because of, you know, they, they should benefit from tax reform. They also will, could benefit from the repatriation of assets. Uh, by having large companies trying to move the needle through M&A activity. Uh, so I'm looking to rebalance clients to, not, again, not where what's happened, but to where we think things are happening. You could also, when I look at the uh, uh, price-earnings ratio for the U.S. market, certainly definitely more overvalued than I see overseas. So I think maybe increasing exposure to international, European, could be even 
Uh, I know we've also increased our position what? in emerging markets. So, so Jeff, what we're seeing right now maybe is the correction that everybody's been calling for just quickly? Yeah, yeah, you know, I think it's is it could it continue into next week? Absolutely. I don't know if it's I don't think it's totally going to be over. I think we're we're going to get that maybe 5 to 7% pullback. Okay. How which, important which, how important is what's going on in Washington right now with this memo and concerns about, you know, how much further this goes in terms of FBI and Justice Department officials? Just got about 20 seconds. How does that factor in? Yeah, well, it's it's certainly important, but I don't it's I don't think it's the it's a driver today, but I still think the key driver is the, the uh, that late that labor markets are in good shape, that the inflation is starting to come up. It's still not at the you know the two percent level, but maybe we're eking closer to one point eight or higher. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think it's those key factors. I think Washington absolutely that's going to be a catalyst to, to pull Got the market it. back. Jeff Carbone of Cornerstone Financial Partners. This is Bloomberg Radio. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I feel the earth. You move like they do. I've never seen anyone move that fast. All right, people, let's move like we've got a purpose. Something's called movers and shakers. They cost a little more. That name cracked me up. Bloomberg Markets, Movers and Shakers, with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. All right, everybody, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Let's get to some of the Movers and Shakers. S&P 500, 479 names in the index, lower today, 26 higher. I was putting together some numbers just for the week. Charlie was doing some of them. Charlie Pellet, small cap index, Russell 2000, down 2% for the week. S&P 500, down 3.9% for the week. Uh, The NASDAQ, down 3.5% for the week. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average, a decline of 4.2%, down 1,100 points on the week. And, Corey, we really haven't seen that. We've been seeing week after week for those major equity averages higher here in 2018. But uh, this week, a very different tone. And the biggest, com- the biggest company in the world? Uh, Apple. Apple Computer uh, shares, or Apple Inc., I should say, no longer Apple Computer. Um, after the uh, iPhone uh, results and guidance were seen as disappointing, although the revenues were higher quite a bit. They sold fewer iPhones than they did a year ago, despite the fact they having this new, fantastic, mega, wonderful Talking poop emoji, magical iPhone 10 stock was down 4.4% today, a pretty significant decline, uh, given that the market is, it is the largest stock and often uh, controls a lot of the market. But with the S&P down 2.1%, uh, Apple more than twice as bad, uh, down 4.4% in the day. Looking for something that actually uh, gained today? How about shares of Mattel? They're the number one gainer in the S&P 500 on this Friday. That stock, uh, a gain of 7.9%, up a buck 21 to 16.53 a share. Keep in mind, uh, those shares are now up about 7.5%. What's going on? Well, some speculation that some of the changes, um, the redesign, if you will, and refocus at the company, uh, maybe some of that uh, is starting to pay off, and they're altering uh, the merchandise lineup, uh, exiting smaller brands, axing some products that were still in development. And so refocusing the company on its biggest properties, um, you know, still they have a long way to go, but maybe some of that strategy is paying off. The company's biggest brand posted a 9% gain in sales last quarter. uh, And I think we're talking about probably Barbie there. Uh, But nonetheless, in a day where almost everything you could see in the equity markets uh, under pressure, Mattel shares, your number one gainer in the S&P 500 rally. So you're saying Barbie's not under pressure? 
That's good. Barbie thing. is just good a strong for her. little chiquita. What can I tell uh, you? Exxon Mobil and Chevron, not so much. Mm. Exxon Mobil and Chevron both reporting results uh, failing to capitalize on the more than 50% rise in oil prices since June. Uh, both stocks taking a big hit. Exxon down 5.1%. Shares of Chevron, even worse, down 5.6%. So you've got two of the biggest oil companies and majors here uh, reporting results. Really disappointing. Uh, if, if you look at uh, Chevron, Chevron is trading at, at 134 this year already. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Down. Uh, I'm, well, I'm just I'm heartbroken for Getting those up nice there, huh? folks out there in San Ramon, mm. <coughs> uh, right near me in San Francisco. But Chevron shares down 5% on the year, 5.3% on the year, 5.6% on the day. Exxon down 5.1%. Uh, a bad day to have a bad day, and those two major oil companies had it. Well, I'm an optimistic kind of gal, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Amazon because 24 hours ago, Corey and I were all over Amazon's breaking uh, quarterly results, uh, and there was, you know, some questions about things and their spend and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, uh, investors liking what they got from Amazon. That stock up 2.9 percent, up 41 bucks. But keep in mind, it's closed 1,431 dollars a share. So. Um, that's why you're seeing such a big dollar pop there. But again, up 2.9%. What is Amazon doing so far this year? It's up about 22%. And Corey, the big, um, like their investments just paying off, right? Rising sales, bigger profit is what we saw at the company. Imagine that. Imagine that. Go um, you know, and, and add to that with Amazon, of course, Alexa. Just big hit in Alexa, as we've been talking about all day. Really good for them. Company that we don't talk about much, but I want to mention it because it was a, a, a big loser, but most active, down 47%. Ouch. It's a Seattle-based company that does RFID chips uh, that to help warehouses and stuff know where stuff is. Um, uh, stuff. Impingy mm-hmm. uh, is the name of the company. Um, Impingy, uh, the chief financial officer, steps down. They announced they've got inventory problems at customers, softness in their inventory volumes at the end uh, within their supply chain. Um, the CFO has been there for uh, uh, 18 years. Says he plans to spend more time with his family. Aww. And to pursue other opportunities. That's always good. Because no one's looking for him to pursue this thing with him. He can't keep the inventory straight. <laughs> Stock absolutely collapsing down, as I mentioned, 47% on the day. And this once $500 million company is now worth $242 million. All right, not collapsing today. The VIX, in fact, is rallying 27% today, up 3.6 points, Two? closing at 1713. Ooh. Corey was like obsessed with VIX today. For the week overall, the VIX is up 54%. This is Bloomberg. All right, Dave, you're up. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Dave. Wilson, where are you? Wilson! Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? We're going for the price on Wilson. Open up the door, it's Dave. Who? Dave! Hey, Mr. Wilson! Dave Wilson joins us right now with the stock of the day. And that would be Varex Imaging, Corey. It's a component maker of products used in medical imaging, cargo screening, and border security. The company was spun off from Varian Medical Systems in January of last year. The ticker is VREX. Now, Varex's shares surged as much as 72% in post-spinoff trading. They started this week by rising to a record. They ended it with their first double-digit percentage loss since the spinoff. Varix's reversal followed disappointing results for the fiscal first quarter. Earnings trailed analysts' average estimate in a Bloomberg survey for the first time. Revenue missed projections by the widest margin, yet more than 9%. Varix said in a statement that the figures reflected falling sales to several customers in the digital detector business. The release said those customers, and I'm quoting, managed inventory levels to better match timing of their shipments to later in the year. 
Whatever the reason, Varex definitely took a hit. The stock closed with a loss of more than 20%. Ouch. Big decline on a day when everyone else is seeing. If you thought you lost money today, you should look at these guys, basically. Absolutely. This is the kind of day, you know, if you think about what's noteworthy, it's the stocks that are up or the stocks that are really taking a hit. Varex falls into the latter category. Varex Imaging Corporation. Great stuff, David. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 o'clock Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. And follow us on Twitter. She's at Carol Masser, and I'm at Corey TV.